Well, hey, folks, welcome, welcome, welcome to well, episode 10. Episode 10, that's nearly a dozen. Yeah, it's, well, I guess with our Easter bonus stuff, we did. If we did one episode a year, we'd have a decade of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll release one a year. Yeah, might be hard to get people to stick around. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Hey, Maybe. but we're grateful you're sticking around. We are. You should get an award for being here for the... You, you'll get the there almost almost a, almost a dozen award. <laughs> almost a dozen. <laughs> That'd be it. And I'll tell you what, it is uh, thinking back through our bit of a journey and having listened to a couple of the episodes, um, it's a scary thing. Can I just say, like podcasting like this and maybe the topic we've taken on, it's a bit of a scary thing because often um, we're articulating thoughts and they're a bit incomplete because it's a banter, because it's a it's a conversation, which is what we want it to be. And we want you to feel part of it. I hope you do feel part of it. Um, Often we say something or we might seed out a thought and then don't return to it, i found. Yeah. So, well, we... <laughs> so thank you for uh, keeping track of those podcasts we're yet to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Our secretary and uh, the big list. And I guess we do want to try and round out these thoughts. Uh, but in giving it in bites the way that we are, you know, it could be misunderstood. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm just hoping you're on the journey. I guess it means you have to stay on the journey. That's right. We've trapped you here. <laughs> You'll leave with an incomplete picture. It was intentional. It was intentional. It's a plot. But it's, it's a scheme. It's, that's right. It's but, a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely worth, I guess, saying we're not trying to write a theology book here. True. Uh, hey, that's great. These, yeah. are, these are some thoughts and some maybe some new boxes or new new spaces to be thinking in yeah rather than hey here's what you should change your beliefs to yeah true it's it's a little bit more um hey can we relax a bit is it okay to actually discuss is it okay to actually keep a conversation going rather than hey i've got the facts the conversation's over I guess what we're saying is maybe some of these things are bigger than what we imagine. So maybe yeah. what we're doing is we're, we're throwing out some theology fertilizer. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, I love the, it. A bit of theology fertilizer. Come on. Maybe growing what you what you're thinking or how you think or um, the ways that you think, rather than just being a replant of here's some new theology for you to oh, believe. Oh yeah, great. I love that. Renaming I love the that. podcast. Theology fertilizer. <laughs> the theology fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> some of it. Might might make your theology stink. That's no, no, that is that is not our intention. Okay, um, it might think it might stink, but it'll be healthy. Yeah, that's it. And I guess um, you know that's where we're going to land today. What we're going to talk about today is maybe a core thought for me on my journey. One of the things that made me launch out on what could be considered a bit of a a, a deconstruct. <gasps> The D word. (laughs) The big D word. Deconstruction. Which actually, look, I don't think that's a helpful term, as I've said already. Uh, I do understand the thinking behind it. The thinking behind it I think we need to do, and that is we need to test what we've believed. We need to understand that language dates, therefore Mm. our imaginations of how words work, dates, and it has to be upgraded. That's something that has happened right through church history where we've had to re-articulate timeless truths in new ways. So the concept I want to look at 
was definitely a trigger point for my journey, which I'd prefer to call or liken to art restoration, um, where you bring things back to original intent, Mm. uh, where old work, old touch-ups, old grime of the ages is scraped away and the artist's original intent is seen in a whole fresh new way. I think that's a more helpful... Because when you talk deconstruction, really the image that comes to mind is, uh, and this is pertinent because we're going to be talking about imagination today, but the image that comes to mind is probably jackhammer, crowbar, sledgehammer, dynamite. You know, When you think deconstruction, it's like we are going to drop the building. And actually, I don't think that's helpful. Well, I guess if you deconstruct a building, you kind of need to be a builder to put it back together. Exactly right. Exactly right. (laughs) So deconstruct, maybe renovate is a better term rather than deconstruct. Yeah, Yeah. So uh, because I do think ultimately, hey, we're all here. Here's the problem with the total deconstruct journey that I see some people on is that if you've got faith at all to even be deconstructing, you owe that faith to the existing building. You got that faith delivered to you. The only reason it got to you was the best attempts of people, no matter how flawed they may have been, through all of history to find God, follow God, be authentic in their expression of God. And so when we come to deconstructing that stuff, we do need to be careful because our faith actually rests on that. As incomplete and imperfect as it may have been, Um, then, you know, it is easy to sit at the end of history and judge those who went before when they did not have access to everything we have access to. And when we're here because of them at the same time. And we are literally here because of them. So, hey, cool your jets when it comes back to deconstruction and be a little bit careful about knocking down load-bearing walls. That's what we've got to be careful not to do. And so I guess what we're talking about today, I'm excited about this. So the pagans... Well, we're speaking about imaginations. Yeah. And, well, would you, why don't you How would I put it, it? for us? How, How would I put, put it? it? We want to talk about, you know, the possibility of having orthodox belief but a pagan imagination. Wow. You can have orthodox belief but a pagan imagination. And the problem is we tend to function out of our imagination. We see it in our head first and then we do. Or we see how words work in our mind, and then we act out of that. So it is possible for you to believe the right stuff, but actually be picturing it the wrong way. That's what we want to talk about today. And it comes up, uh, this is something I think all of us would have asked ourselves, have you ever seen Christians, people of faith, doing something that made you ask, how could people read the Bible and get God so wrong. Mm. Even people who say they love the Bible and by their dedication to the Bible would appear to love it, you know. Yeah. But it's like, how can you be reading the Bible so diligently and it would seem getting God so wrong? Yeah. And none of us are immune to this. I remember my early attempts at quote unquote witnessing. Boy, I hate that term. We're called <laughs> to be a witness, not to go witnessing. But, you know, back in the day, 
Um, witnessing, quote unquote, meant literally pinning someone against the wall on the street. I used to do it and me and mates hang, hang out around nightclubs and people are coming out at two in the morning and pinning them against the wall and belting them with the Bible, you wow. know, verse after verse after verse. And uh, Sounds like you were a fun group of guys. Oh, we were fun, you know, <laughs> a lot of joy in it. I mean, we made God so attractive. And, uh, and we see this in our society like Westboro Baptist. Mm. So I'm going to name and shame. Paul did. Hymenaeus <laughs> and Philetus. And I think we need to be careful with that stuff. But honestly, we do not want people looking at Westboro Baptist and saying that's a representation of the authentic church. Yeah. It's obviously a cult. And I mean, if you haven't seen much of their stuff, they're the people that get out on the street with the God hates you signs. Yeah, yeah. And you do wonder, how did you get are we uh, reading the same thing? How man. did you get to a God that hates everybody? And, and look, it's got that classic flaw of the people who are judging everyone else always seem to consider themselves to be the ones on the inside. <laughs> God hates everyone except for us. <laughs> Which I guess we're doing right now to a, to a certain extent. But when you look at it, it's obviously a cult, but they would say that the Bible is their source. Yeah, interesting. So there's a real problem with that. You've got to ask yourself, you know, how can these things be? Mm. And so... Um, I want to look at uh, maybe a, a scriptural example. And before we even get to that, let's look at a good Bible filter. And it's Romans 12 too. And Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is so much in this scripture, and it's so relative to what we're just talking about. You know, firstly, the the main key is you've got to renew to discover. Yeah. You know what I mean? You will never know what God really wants of you if you are filtering God through your old mindset. Yeah, and I guess that's an important note that, I mean, we've talked about some of the extremes, but no one's immune to this. No. Um, it, it's possible. I mean, I'm assuming people sitting in the same church, sitting in our church, probably have different imaginations about how different things actually work. So it's so important for us to all go on that journey of renewing our minds and getting a, a, That's it. You know, a fresh revelation, I suppose. And the beauty with that is we do have a cornerstone. His name is Jesus. That's so it's right, like, yeah. what do we rally around? You know what do we what do we want to be thinking like? Well, we want to be thinking like Christ. You know, Paul mm. says in another place, "Have this same mind as was in Christ Jesus," and goes on to give that amazing passage in Philippians two on the kenosis, the the self emptying. Jesus didn't think the way that we did, even though he was so exalted, he chose humility. And Paul is like, "That's the way we need to be thinking." Mm. So your basically your old mind won't serve your new life well. Mm. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 12. Be renewed. Let God do something in you to give you different filters, different imaginations around what you believe about uh, just not just your present reality and how life works, but God's will and purpose for your life. Yeah. So you could put it this way. You won't know how God wants you to think and act unless you let him renew your mind. Very good. Yeah. And I guess would just a practical example of that be, um, I'm just just maybe getting to this early, but even things like um, if you, you, if we talk about God, that the image of God as a father, mm. if, if your image of a father is not a good thing, yeah. it's going to affect the way that you actually mm. view God. So we have to let God renew our thinking 
how, how does he want us to perceive him as a father rather than what is my image yeah, of a father? So true. That's a, a really big deal. I think in our society, as our society over, you know, the last few decades has become far more fragmented. You know, I think the, the incidence of absentee dads or emotionally absent parents or, you know, whatever, people's experiences of that, you know, they're not easy things to overcome when we say God is your father. Yeah. It's like, wow, well, you know, my dad wasn't around or my dad beat my mum or my dad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and there are lots and lots of good dads. I think one of the sad things about it is that our, you know, our society tends to focus on the negative rather mm. than maybe always look, lifting up the right examples. But, I yeah, guess that makes it hard for people because in their imagination the filter says this is what a father looks yeah. like. Yeah, and it's even what we've been doing over the past few weeks, speaking about different words and the imaginations that they create. Mm. Um, if our imagination of sin is different to actually what it was intended to be, yeah, yeah. it's why it's so important to go on this so journey important. of renewing our mind. Well, let, let, let's look at an example where maybe Jesus' disciples did this and used a wrong imagination over right belief and Jesus corrected it. And I think a great example, just one of them, is Luke 22 and it's where the disciples were arguing about who would be great. Mm. So it says, now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, or those outside of covenant relationship, exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are are called benefactors. But not so among you. On On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he is and he who governs as he who serves. So Jesus just absolutely flips their thinking. But the interesting thing is, Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. That's what I've always seen in this passage. It's like their desire for leadership, their desire to be influencers, that was not the problem. Mm. The problem was how they imagined that working. Sure, yeah. (laughs) So Jesus doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He actually gives them a better imagination. Their imagination was exactly what they'd seen in the world. They'd seen Roman centurions being able to lord it over. They'd seen the religious leaders walking down the streets with the getting all the honor and respect from people and people stooping and bowing mm. and they're like we want that yeah which yeah. one of us is going to get the crown you know and um and Jesus is like whoa 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 hang on that's the world's image of leadership that's not my image of leadership if you want to be great again he's affirming it's okay to want to be great to have influence to to be a leader well, then learn to serve everyone and you will come at it from the right angle. So their belief, I suppose, in, in leadership is something good that should be desired was correct, but yep. their imagination of how it worked was twisted. They had an orthodox belief. Leadership is good. You know, uh, what, what does scripture say? Um, he who... Desires leadership, desires a good thing. Is that well, what it is? I, I think. I, I'm pretty sure. 
<laughs> unresearched uh, right yeah, there. Yeah, Let's yeah, tag yeah. that one unresearched. We, 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 yeah, we'll flag that one. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll give a prize. We'll give a badge to someone who can highlight that in, in some comments or feedback. Yeah. Um, we can, <laughs> who can tell us what scripture we're thinking about? <laughs> yeah. um, that might be in Acts 29. I'm not sure. Anyhow, uh, that's a that's oh, an insider's yeah, I think it's I think it's one Timothy three one. If he anyone wants the to, office, no, oh, right. if anyone wants to provide leadership, oh, hang on, no, I'm I'm reading someone's. <laughs> we're, we're we're just. Uh, it's okay. Everyone thinks. Right, everyone thinks we're. Everyone thinks we're rewriting the Bible now. Anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the purpose. Here it is. Uh, here is a trustworthy saying: Whoever aspires to be an overseer. Desires a noble task. There we go. Yeah, we sort of had it right all over the place. But, yeah, they had a good orthodox imagination. Mm. Leadership is good. That's right. But they had a pagan imagination of how that would work out. So in one sense, Jesus was literally saying, hey, you've been watching the world too long. You know, you're taking your cues from prevailing culture, not from me. And mm. so um, having a, uh, you know, the danger of having an orthodox belief in a pagan imagination. Can we just talk about those words really quickly before we get too much further? So we've got orthodox. Uh, wh- yeah, how well, would you define uh, that? Orthodox technically means conventional or proper. Okay. You know, so in the church term, in church terms, it's, it's accepted belief, I guess, would be a way to put it. Okay. So that's orthodox. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the other word in there, I suppose, is pagan, which seems like quite an old school kind of word. Mm, you know, mm. Movies, pop culture, you pagans. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which we tend to, again, pop culture has made it a judgment. Yeah. Um, on what the church thinks of people who aren't in the church. That's and right. You that wouldn't want to so ever bad. be called a pagan. No. Yeah. And, and I don't think... A, I don't think it's someone who is technically a pagan wants to necessarily be called a pagan That's either. Right, yeah. You know, but really what we could understand it as as not necessarily living for higher purpose or a higher God, but living for the gods of this world, whether that's the gods of nature or the gods of um, uh, our own hearts, which is stuff like for for money, for for pleasure, for uh, the flesh, just living for the flesh. So serving that rather than serving a higher, higher purpose. purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So and and you know that is where where half the church is at, let alone half the world. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. think if you define pagan that way, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. That's let's, right. Let's not exclude ourselves from some of that. That's why it's so important to be careful of having an orthodox belief and a and pagan, a pagan imagination. imagination. And then imagination. Um, I mean, I've always seen it as what you see with your mind's that's eye. It. Yeah. Um, well, technically, it, it, uh, I think a dictionary definition that's brilliant is the forming of experiences in the mind. So you can like experience something before you actually experience it with your imagination. Okay, yeah. And often we imagine, you know, so we imagine this wonderful holiday. Mm. I imagine, oh, man, I just imagine lying back on the beach with a good book under a palm tree. And it's funny how you then begin to, this is how vision works. So imagination is another word for vision. 
Um, but you tend to bring those things to pass. You start dreaming of a holiday, you'll probably start at some point planning one. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it might just look a bit like your imagination. Sure. So if you've got a pagan imagination, if you're imagining something the wrong way, That's you're it. not going to be able to stop it from coming out into pagan your practice. pagan practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so look look at the disciples again. Their imagination was like, I can see myself leading this thing one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that led towards a wrong and unhelpful Really, anti-kingdom, kingdom-contrary thinking and actions in them. That's where it was headed, and Jesus pulled it up. Their beliefs were right, but their internal picture mm. of how those beliefs should affect real-world behavior were all wrong. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, this answers our question. That's, that's how you get crazy people saying they represent God or even good people representing God in a crazy way. Yeah. That's how it ends up. And uh, They believe the right things, but they're applying it the totally wrong way in a sense. Yeah. For example, I mean, you're saying that you believe in a loving God, but then being unloving and unkind towards others. Mm. That is filtering orthodox belief through a pagan imagination. Mm. And we come up with all kinds of excuses. And countries, you know, even recently in war that we see, Countries like to make sure God's on their side and will even justify it. Yeah. And it's like, come on, come on, come on. If You cannot say, claim to share the nature of God and think that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I think these things have come maybe from our journeys. Like, uh, where do we pick up our imagery around God? I mean, that'd be a great question. Even to you listening... And this is a question I've asked myself. Like, what what is the image in my mind when I think about God? Mm. What's the picture? What do I see? Yeah, can you picture? Yeah, God? and what does it look like? Because there's a lot of classic pictures, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> well, I know, look, the super spiros right now, the super spiritual ones who never get anything wrong, would be tempted. Not that anyone who listens to by now you've been purged. I was going to say. I was going to say. If you are here, you aren't super spiritual because we've offended the religious spirit right out of you. No, I wouldn't say so. not super spiritual. <laughs> super spiritual in the sense that's used in a derogatory sense of of maybe a condescending spiritual manner. But um, you know, I think a lot of us have had an image of an old man on a throne. Yeah. If we're really honest, it's like. Old man, white beard, you know, cool scepter in his hand, cool yeah. sort of rod, stick, whatever thing that he that he rules the world with. That is maybe really a, I think, a fairly common image. I, and for me, it's been it's been hard to get away from that image. To be to be honest, of at least a, a, a an external man, like a yeah, person, yeah, a being. Yeah. I mean, and I guess, you know, you'd take that from things like what the scripture says, man's created in God's image. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind yeah, of things yeah. lead you to, okay, you must look. Of course look, they do. Yeah. But you, your mind naturally goes to starting to picture um, someone, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and certainly that is a problem because then you are talking about a God who exists. He's external to Which you. is another whole episode. Yeah, we so, do have to talk about an insistent God rather than an existent yeah, God. Yeah, secretary, take a note, please. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, when we die on the hill of God exists, we're actually projecting a really wrong image of who God is. Yeah. Because for God to exist, it's got to be an object outside of you. Well, and I guess that's where this imagination comes in. If we're imagining God as this person who's external mm. to us, mm. he's not 
in, how can he be inside of me and inside That's, of someone else? I mean, you've got yeah. the Holy Spirit, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's this Come on. separate kind of thing. I know. Um, but I guess a lot of those Here's images. Here's the word upholding all things by his power is what scripture says, which means God is is everywhere. And we understand this. Mm. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. All of these. Oh, sorry. Omni, uh, om, omnipresent. Uh, omnipresent. Yeah. yeah. So all these big theological terms we use for that God is everywhere. He knows everything and he's all powerful. Um, an existent God doesn't support that. Well, yeah, we believe those things. There's our orthodox belief. Yeah. But we imagine God sitting on a throne in That's heaven. It. Existing uh, somewhere. Existing somewhere else. So, um, and I guess that picture seems, uh, we talked about it in a previous we've, episode. We've opened another whole can of words. Yeah, we that, have. That has got to be another episode. We've got to come back to yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, th- th- that image, I suppose, Really looks like Zeus, doesn't it? If you look yeah. at pictures of Zeus, that's like the Greek I mean, god in Greek mythology, that's yeah. a lot of what yeah. the picture yeah. in your mind potentially looks like. Yeah, if you look at some artwork of, of Greek mythology and Zeus particularly, you'll see him on his throne, often with a lightning bolt in his hand mm. of judgment. He's going to cast that lightning bolt at someone. Um that's which, the image so which many Christians people have. have used as well. God will we, strike you down, yeah, and, and, and <laughs> with lightning the, from heaven. It's yeah, like that's yeah, Zeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's <laughs> gonna get angry and he's wrath, and he's gonna stand up and throw a lightning bolt right through your forehead. Yeah, and it's like, no, no, that's Zeus you're talking about. And we get these images, even the old man on the throne. It's classic Renaissance art. It's the way God was portrayed in Renaissance art. Mm. And there's one Renaissance piece that I found really, really interesting to look at. It's by uh, Peter de Greba. It's done in 1645, this painting, obviously commissioned by the Catholic Church. And um, it's the painting is of God inviting Christ to sit on the throne at his right hand, obviously after the resurrection. But when you look at the painting, God looks remarkably like the Pope. Wow, yeah. And so, and of course, we know that they were pretty dark times for the church, Middle Ages, and church's control. Um, And it's almost as if the painting is trying to say that Jesus is submitted to the Pope. To the Pope wow. or to the church. That's the imagery. That's the imagination. And it's like, whoa, what a dangerous imagination to create. It, it makes me think of that. I think we mentioned it in another episode also, but that uh, George Bernard Shaw quote, God created man in his image. Yeah. Then yeah. we return the favor. That's it. And it's, just, it's a slight, you know, it's, it's a slight kind of <laughs> twist there, but it's true. You know, God had created us and we're, we're created in his image. God yeah. isn't created in our image. And I guess it's natural, right? Like, I mean, you're trying to, say, as an artist, portray God. It's a lot harder to paint an insistent God who's in and working in all things. That's it's it. much easier to yeah, paint a dude yeah, sitting yeah. on a throne. Here he is. And and so that's how we end up with um, adopting an image like Zeus hurling lightning. Mm. You can see where some well-meaning Christians really, you know, that's the image of God they present and they really miss it. Yeah, and, and I guess where we end up is reforming this image of, and this is probably the bit of the journey I've been on where you go from this angry God to now it's still this old dude on a throne, but he loves me. <laughs> so, so I'm heading the right, we're heading the right way. Heading the right way. If, if God gets kind and loving and forgiving, you're headed in the right direction. That's, that's right. Every yeah. time God gets more like that, you're on the right track. So but, how do we contrast that with the, well, the biblical image well, of it? It's interesting, like the early church fathers, we're not the first ones to struggle with this image. So 
the early church fathers wrestled with this, and especially knowing that God is one, that we're monotheists, mm. but then Jesus. Monotheists as in we believe we in, believe one, in God. one God. Yeah. And then Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit is doing and saying things and acting as God in the New Testament scriptures. Believe in one, but there seems to be three. Yes. <laughs> and so there's this major wrestle between the three persons of the Godhead and how they interact and what do, what does God look like or what does God mean? Mm. How can we imagine God? And interestingly, the, towards the end of the third century is where we really got the doctrine of the Trinity, um, what we'd call the Trinity, you know, three persons, one God. And um, and perfect unity of, of of substance and you know etc. Every, everything that wraps around that theological thought of God is a triune being. Um, the late third century scholars come up with the term, use the Greek word perichoresis, and uh, it's a complex word. It's a compound word. It is peri, which means around or to rotate or circle. We get words like periscope. From mm. it, or perimeter. Peri-peri so, sauce at Nando's. Peri-peri. No, no, no not, quite, <laughs> not quite that hot. But, um, you know, peri and then caresis, um, which is to make a way or to go forward uh, or to dance. Mm. That's literally what that word – and we get the word choreography from it in English. Okay. So when you put those words together, you've got literally circle dance is literally what it means. So it's like, okay – how are we going to describe God? Okay, earliest the- theologians, you know, come up with this concept of he is, he's a circle dance, or we could call it this. Uh, I love the way Father Richard Raw puts it: is the divine dance, uh, the divine dance. Mm. So there's this Father, Son, Holy Spirit personhood of God dancing in an eternal dance in a circle um, where they mimic or they, um, I'm just trying to find language around this, but when one moves, the other moves in exactly the same corresponding form. They mirror one another perfectly. This is where Jesus said things like, I don't do anything. I don't see the Father do. I don't say anything. I don't hear the Father say. Mm. You know, he says that when the Spirit has come, he will testify of me. He will bring you into all truth and remind you of all truth. And and so, you know, they are one and the same, yet they are distinctly different mm. in their personhood. And and where that's that's God. And it's like, wow, how do you get ahead around that? Yeah. And if you do a bit of an internet search, you'll come up with some paintings, some diagrams that have sort of tried to describe the perichoresis, the circle dance. I find them quite fascinating. But the whole thought of God is that God is a divine community dancing around one another in self-giving love. Wow. So if you think of, which is the kenosis with the self-emptying, and it wasn't just new. It wasn't something that Jesus did. It is how God always was. And we see it in Genesis 1, 1, um, uh, 1, 1, Genesis 1, 1 to 3. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God hovered on the water. Then God said. So within all of that context of creation, you see Father, God created, um, you see the word released or Jesus Christ later on, the Bible picks it up that Jesus is the word of God. 
and then uh, the Holy Spirit hovering on the deep. You have all three members of the Godhead in creation. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. And it's like, how do we put language to that? Well, mm. the first words put to it <laughs> were perichoresis, which was actually like a technical term. And, um, and we could say, I guess, yeah, a divine dance. Another way of seeing it is like, uh, you see it in atomic structure and an atom in its basic form. Now we've got all these subatomic particles and they've done more research, but its basic understanding is really this nucleus with protons and electron and um, is there any other neutron? parts? And the neutron? You know, whatever. I'm, I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> oh, gee, I am too. I weigh in. But, but you see the little diagrams where these, these little uh, subatomic particles are circling or the actually the atom is made up of these basic particles that are circling around. Mm. And so it's almost like the divine imprint is in all of creation. Yeah, wow. Of the triune being is in all of creation. Just a simple way of seeing it. We're just trying to put language to things you can't put language to. Yeah, yeah, Like the prophets. It's like when Ezekiel says, I saw God, you know, and it was like wheels within a wheels and many eyes. And it's like, that just sounds hideous. (laughs) And we can look at it. If you're a literalist, like people have done, you've tried to paint a painting. This is what God looks like. Yeah, Yeah. Or if you step back a bit, you can look at it and say, the prophet is struggling to put language Mm. around what is indescribable. Yeah, yeah. The presence of God. And I think that's a far more beautiful way of seeing oh, it's it. It's almost like the image of God is much more abstract than we can kind of, yeah. you know, maybe the best way to represent <laughs> yeah. him is some kind of abstract art because... Well, you know, the best way to represent him became the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's why Jesus came. We could not get Picture our him. head yeah. around God. That's why every image of God we see preceding Jesus in Scripture must be filtered through the person of Jesus. I guess that's where you see Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's it. Yeah. It's like, right, you, you've struggled to try and get a hold of me. You've, you, Moses, you thought I was fire in the bush. Um, uh, Abraham, you thought I was the ram in the court in, court in the bush. And others have seen this and others have seen that and high and lifted up and train fills the temple and people, uh, prophets, you know, putting kingly stuff around God mm. because the, they all looked up to the king and he was fearsome and he was awesome, a human king. So that image is projected onto God. But ultimately, God is revealed in Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God really looks like, what God always looked like, you'll never see God clearer than in the face of Jesus Christ. And that should help clarify our pagan imaginations yeah. around who God might be. That's great. That's great. So where to from there? Well, I mean, I, just in helping us understand God as a triune being, and this might touch on where we went with salvation and uh, in previous episodes, but, you know, the image of God and for us to grasp God being a triune being, what should make us the easiest for us is us understanding ourselves as a triune being. Mm. You know, we understand that we're a body. We're we're very physical. Um, Anyone who's ever been with someone who's passed away, and I've had that incredible and moving experience a number of times now in my life, both with my own parents and with... Uh, people that I was ministering to, something really goes when they die. Mm. And I'd call that a spirit is gone. The, the, that breath of life is gone. Mm. 
And then while we are in the body and we are alive, we, we are made up of, we are very unique individuals. We don't just have the breath of life. There's something that makes us unique. Mm. And that is our mind, will and emotions, that combination of how we think and how we feel and how we, we choose makes us very, very unique as individuals. So we are a three-part being. We are body, soul and spirit. Mm. And so but all joined together, all one. All joined together, mm. all functioning together, all affecting or, uh, you know, yeah, affecting or directing one another in mm. that sense. You cannot separate it out. It mm. is a person. Yeah. And it's what makes them unique and we can understand God a little bit that way. Yeah. 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 So we come back to a more true image of God is is not static, not the judge of the earth, but creator drawing creation back into the dance. Wow. That's what the divine dance is. Actually, early art, some other great early artwork is, uh, I think it's Russian iconography, and, um, and it's of Father, Son, Holy Spirit sitting at a table and they're in person form and they've got the circles around their heads like the art of that era. And it's interesting, but they found they're sort of all sitting and there's a fourth place and there's um, uh, there's like space there, and I think they found like old glue where they believe maybe a plate was actually glued to the front of the painting, mm. and it's and and what they believe the original intent of the art was it was an invitation to sit at the table. Wow, yeah, with God, so here's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm. come and sit at the table, and 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 of course we have that with communion. We have that with, you know, every major covenantal moment in Scripture. There was a meal attached to it. Mm. And so there's this invitation by the Creator who to for us to join the dance wow. of life. And that's a pretty awesome picture. Yeah. And I guess does that, I guess, change, um, yeah, how we, I guess, the way that we outwork that in our lives and has to shift a little bit. It does. I mean, uh, it, it should make you want to make the most of every day of your life mm. and realise you're in the divine dance. Um, you've been invited into it every day. It certainly should help the way we share Jesus with people. Yeah. It's meant to be good news. Yeah. And so it's an invitation to the dance. It's not a, you, you need to escape hell. Mm. Believe in Jesus or he'll kill you. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like we've made it that, and and I know there's 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 elements and facets of truth, but they've somehow sometimes they end up as a caricature, mm. an exacerbated, exaggerated, distorted image, um, and it becomes an in and out thing. I'm in, but you're out, and you'd better get in, or you're really gonna cop it. Yeah, yeah. Rather than this is an us and us thing. It's not an in and out thing. Yeah, it's an us and us. We share. The same broken humanity. We share the same broken planet. Mm. Um, and, and look at examples from Scripture like Paul in the Areopagus preaching in Acts 17. And, and he says to them, you know, he's preaching Jesus to them, but he, he says, don't think God's a long way away. Um, he's not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. You've got to understand, Paul is preaching to out-and-out classic, quote-unquote, Pagans. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying we live and move and have our being. 
mm. within him. This is the problem with an existent God right here, saying God exists somewhere, somewhere else, up in heaven. He's yeah. going to judge the whole thing rather than God is in all things. Yeah. And this also helps us understand I cannot hate another human being. Mm. I must forgive them. They are made in God's image. Yeah. I cannot hate them, whether they believe the same stuff as me or not. The same God who insists in me insists in them. Yeah. Otherwise, they would not exist. By hating them, I'm actually <laughs> hating God. Yeah, oh. I am. And that's where John says this. How can you say you love God and hate people that are made in his image? John mm. says it so clearly in one of his letters. Yeah. So, you know, and this creates difficult tensions when we encounter difficult people and war and, oh, it's difficult, but ultimately... If you want correct images of God, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not a them and us thing, and it's it's an us and us thing, and we're inviting people into the dance, mm. saying there's so much more than what you see. There's so much more than what you experience when you worship things yeah. or when you worship sex or when you worship um, security or when you worship pleasure and entertainment. Mm. Oh, come on, that they they are they pale into significance in insignificance if you would join the dance and realize there's so much more going wow. on. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot that's a very compelling image compared to and this maybe is a dumbed down version of another image, but there there's a God sitting somewhere up in heaven <laughs> and he, he wants you to come to heaven. He wants you to be in heaven with him. Yeah. You know? It's rather right now God's at work and you can be a part of that. Would you Do you want to join the dance? Come on. I think that's a compelling a yeah. compelling image, you know, an exciting image of, yeah. no, this is about, you know, this is also about right now that, yeah. Yeah. that God is working. And, and if you were just, it's almost helping people, calling people to recognize yeah. that God's at work and, and to step into the conversation or step into the dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, that's, I think that's a great summary. I mean, God on a throne, that's comforting, but it's not compelling. Mm, And maybe it's just not, (laughs) maybe it's also not complete. And people say like, oh, but the Bible says, here we go. Mm. God sits on his throne. Yes, yes, yes. But could it be possible that people are trying to describe and use human metaphor? Yeah. What they're actually saying is God is transcendent, like a king. Mm. He has more resource, more power, more insight, more everything than you. Yeah. But if you limit God to this earthly image of a king on a throne, mm. you're only getting part of the picture. God is so much beyond that. Yeah, and it's true, it's, and it's a correct part of the image that it's yeah, like God it, it's sits part. on a throne. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah, I guess I've been guilty of this before you see God sits on a throne. It's like, take note, okay, God has a throne that he sits on. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 that's not it's yeah. not what potentially the, the, the writer was trying to portray. They're trying to portray the authority and the... Um, uh, the, the power of God rather than saying, okay, take notes, class, here is the image. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but I just don't think we can say too much more about it. I think it naturally leads on now mm. to whatever we're going to do next week, which I, I think would be great potentially to look at heaven or hell. Yeah. Maybe heaven. Well, that's I don't maybe know. the next image, isn't it? That we, yeah, we. There's plenty of what, imagery around. What heaven are we and talking hell? about yeah. when we talk about that? Yeah. You know? um, and so I think what I'd like to say is for everyone who's listening, you know, today we bless you. 
I hope this has blessed you. I hope this is encouraging. I hope it's helpful. But we want to bless you to be life-giving with whoever you meet. Mm-hmm. You know, sinner or saint, uh, holy person or pagan or whatever. Yeah. You know, like let's forget the labels. Let's, let's realize that in him we live and move and have our being. Yeah. And that means that we can be affirming, we can be encouraging, we can be supportive of the right things mm. in people's lives. We can be friends, we can project the love of God and communicate the good news of Jesus Christ, that God through Christ is inviting you to the dance. Yeah. And would we live in a way that invites others into the dance also? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's draw a line under it there. Been great being with you. Fantastic. Yeah. So again, hopefully, uh, been a little bit of theological fertilizer spread around (laughs) the theology garden. That's a new term. Again, it's not. We're not theology garden. We're not trying to get rid of anything. But the more we have this conversation, it's like the more I realize God is bigger than I thought He was. That's it. And like any fertilizer, you need to water it in. Water well. That's right. Water it in. (laughs) That's great. See you guys. Hey. See you in the next one. Hey everyone, it's Geordie here. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you leave a rating or review. Join us next week as we discuss weird flying babies, whatever the heck that's about. In the meantime, you can check out the New Hope podcast for preaching from Chris and Levi, or go and get yourself a nice cup of tea to pass the time. Thanks again. Bye. How's that? Is that all right? Ah, cool. Cool. cool.